Good evening and welcome to all of you in our continuing series of <clears throat> explorations in savagery. But today, on this most important day, Siddhi Day, uh, we'll talk about this for most of the evening, I think. Anyways, it's an important landmark, even for the new creation. Yeah, absolutely, yes. It's only after Sri Krishna's uh, descent into the very physical that Sri said, now the path was open for yes. the next step. I have many things to read, but yes, um, wonderful. we can go over, uh, we, we can go back and forth. Yes, that's right. <clears throat> And I wanted to read from Mother and from Sri Aurobindo's words. Mother, in 1926, I had begun a sort of overmental creation. That is, I had brought the overmind down in matter here on earth. <clears throat> Miracles and all kinds of things were beginning to happen. I asked all these gods to incarnate to identify themselves with the body on earth. Some of them absolutely refused. Well, with my very own eyes, I saw Krishna, who had always been in rapport with Sri Aurobindo, consent to come down into his body. It was on 24th November, and it was the beginning of Mother. Sri Aurobindo called her mother for the first yes. time after that. Before then, he used to go out on the veranda every day to meet and talk with all who came to see him. I was living in the inner rooms and seeing no one. <clears throat> he was going out onto the veranda seeing everyone, receiving people, speaking, discussing. I saw him only when he came back inside. After a while, I too began having meditations with people. I had begun a sort of overmental creation to make each god descend into a being. There was an extraordinary upward curve. Well, I was in contact with these beings, and I told Krishna, because I was always seeing him around Sri Aurobindo, this is all very fine, but what I want now is a creation on earth. You must incarnate. He said, yes. Then I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes. Inner, inner eyes, of course, joined himself to Sri Aurobindo. Then I went into Sri Aurobindo's room and told him, this is what I have seen. Yes, I know, he replied. That's fine. I have decided to retire to my room, and you will take charge of the people. You take charge. <coughs> Actually, uh, two things. One is that uh, she writes the beginning of mother with a touch of humor in it. So <laughs> yes. it's before that that uh, it was noticed by some, and not only that very beautifully. Uh, oh, mentions yes. it in his reminiscences. I have something for Yes, him that also. as he was uh, yeah. towards the later part, 
of these evening talks somewhere around 25 1925 or 26 he would often he says that it's an unrecorded date in the history of time. And he, Shiobindo, while he would normally refer to her as Mira Devi or Mira, but suddenly he would pause at the word M, M sound ma, ma, a little longer. So, uh, and then one day, instead of Mira, he used the word mother. And Nolida says that that's the day that. Uh, uh, the consciousness of the Divine Mother was fixed into the very outermost consciousness of man. She's, she was always there. And the Mother had, um, Shurabindo had known this long back when this was asked to Shurabindo that, um, you know, in 1926, after 24th November, when you gave charge to the Mother, is that when you recognized uh, her as the Divine Mother? He says, no, much before that. So, many times it's uh, important because um, context is very important. See, uh, I think we would not have known who Shurabindo is uh, other than a seer, a saint, maybe a yogi, a mystic, uh, or worse still, I mean, this is good, <laughs> but worse still, philosopher, thinker, if we would not have been able to see with the eyes of the mother. So it is she who speaks of Shurabindo as the avatar. And uh, Equally, if Shurabindo would not have revealed to us that she is none else but the Divine Mother incarnated, it would have been very difficult except for a few to really realize this truth. Yes. <laughs> Having said that, very often when we go back, we don't see the context. So there are people who uh, don't quite understand this. Well, we must know that all these statements issued by Mother and Shurabindo came much later they were in a certain context. So, with regard to mother, it's not that Shurabindo suddenly declared one day that she is the Divine Mother and all of you must, you know, which is a very different, uh, it has a different connotation. And of course, in yes. Paris, she saw him yes. as she thought Krishna. In fact, she was trying to hide herself. Yes. Yes. She would sit on the floor, teach yes. others how to sit, do her own, uh, you know, work uh, and take care of Shurabindo. Um, sweep the floor, everything. Nothing that, you know, for which she uh, would take help or yeah, yeah. be like... And, uh, and remember the Or first, push herself yes. to be in charge of the ashram or there was no ashram, of course, or of the disciples. Yes. It was when people asked him, who is she? See, that the revelation came. Yeah. Similarly, with regard to Shurabindo, it's... She is noted in her diary notes, which became public much later. But before that itself, Shobindo was, uh, you know, gathering experiences after experiences, realizations after realizations. And one of them was the bringing down of the plane of the gods. So often when we speak about Siddhi Day as the day of Sri Krishna's descent, we forget about this other thing which was happening simultaneously. The plane of the gods... Um, bringing it down into matter. And when Shurabindo was asked, uh, I think it was in August or September evening talks of 1926, that what are the conditions uh, which are needed for the fulfillment of the supermind, coming down of the supermind. So first he said, you won't understand. So the disciple says, uh, yes, you can make us understand. <laughs> so Shurabindo says, well... Um, in fact, one of the disciples says, is it to do with the gods? So, Shivinda says, here you have one clue. 
So the disciple asked something like, uh, what does it mean? So Shirobindo says, I told you, you won't understand. <laughs> it is a very nice little uh, humorous exchange between the master and the disciples. But then he explains that these gods who must come down and participate in molding matter because it, otherwise it's not possible for matter to suddenly open to the supramental light. Now what these gods have done, they have uh, participated in evolution but from above. They have been influencing mankind. Time to time they have uh, inspired, awakened mankind, pulled it upward and we'll read some of the passages I have in mind. And uh, they have uh, sometimes even manifested in individuals like Shubhindo speaks of Swami Vivekananda as in, uh, you know, the eye of Shiva, an incarnation of the eye of Shiva. So we see some of the tendencies and he, he had, you know, then we understand not only was he not an iconoclast, he was absolutely so free that it's almost paradoxical that how he started the mission because Swami Vivekananda, if you see, he was freed from all trappings. So you can't, you know, if you read through him, you can't appropriate him. He's beyond all that, beyond any kind of sectarian or, you know, even religious, that kind of outlook. He's so vast. And uh, much like Shiva, he destroyed many of these old ways of thinking. Similarly about Buddha, he says that Buddha's... uh, was a manifestation of the Shiva aspect of the divine. So there have been time to time uh, manifestations of the gods, but none has really touched matter and molded it. And that's what she is referring to, that the gods coming down and tying themselves to matter. Because when you tie yourself to matter, you have to perforce exercise more than an influence. Manifesting on Manifesting earth. on earth. So, so what are these gods? Actually, one can understand how difficult it is when we read their description, you know, one of them is on page 57. Several places we read about the planes of the gods. Now, two interesting things about it. One is that, um, you know, when Shivinda was asked uh, about the plane of the gods, how to access it. He says, one door is through the psychic. And the second, he says that... Um, Man in his origin, mother also speaks of it, that man in his origin comes from very high. His true domicile is at the junction. The junction is where the overmind and the supermind come together. You know, it's very difficult. Any At that plane, one would feel that one is in contact with the omnipotence and omniscience of the Supreme. And Shobindo says, even I felt like that. Yes, yes. And it's very difficult to get past it. So that's where the gods are born, right into the supermind, which we are reading. The first quaternary are right there, where the supermind is in contact with the overmind. It's a junction. But then, soon thereafter, in that junction, they are conscious of their infinity, of the unity. There is no no disunity. There is no quarrel, if one may say so, because Shubhindu uses the word quarrel of the gods and Puranas talk about it. It's quarrel in the sense that each god is an idea uh, let forth in aspect of the divine into creation. And as he leans towards creation, then slowly and slowly it enters into the uh, cosmic ignorance. But there is a point where they are just beginning to emerge in the supermind itself, where it meets the overmind. And Shubhindu says, man's jiva, the true soul in us, 
it also comes from the same plane so mother puts it in a very simple way she says man is potentially a god but then shurbindo says that but there is a difference because these gods have not really taken a human body have not really plunged so they remain where they are very powerful but man when he plunges and is emerging then is far more richer by the experience and i think that is the whole mystery of the divine incarnation because divine can do everything there so what is the difference between the supreme uh, everywhere and the supreme who takes a body as an avatar and my own take is which may sound paradoxical that the avatar is subtly bring something which is not yet there or there is a possibility so just as the jiva descends into creation and as it comes up though it is has the same origin as the god but as it ascends out of the involved state it has the potential to be something far greater and far richer and far more complex because in the process is brought out many more things richer by the experience but we see what these gods are in our inner journey also we encounter the three madonas mm. so we have on page 57 two are the ends of the mysterious plan in fact before that he he gives the condition that you know oh, these ends yes. must come together let's read that okay well, why, why don't you <clears throat> i think one? maybe from we must fill the immense lacuna a hyphen must yes, yes. yeah <clears throat> Yeah, we must fill the immense lacuna. Yes. We must fill the immense lacuna we have made. Rewed the closed finite's lonely consonant with the open vowels of infinity. A hyphen must connect matter and mind, the narrow isthmus of the ascending soul. We must renew the secret bond in things. Our hearts recall the lost divine idea reconstitute the perfect word unite the alpha and the omega <coughs> in one sound then shall the spirit and nature be at one so incidentally this uh, open vowels of infinity and alpha and omega in one sound you know reminds one of the om where you know all the three yes. states of consciousness are brought together uh, then he continues two are the ends of the mysterious plan in the wide signless ether of the self in the unchanging silence white and nude aloof resplendent like gold dazzling suns veiled by the ray no mortal eye can bear these spirits bear and absolute potencies burn in the solitude of the thoughts of god these are the four original gods who come out in the supramental and lean towards creation so uh, you know they have different names like if you go to the vedic pantheon their names will be different they are indra varuna mitra and bhag uh, no aryaman but uh, then you know later on they change their the names change so now we have the four great um, you know shobindo has made it uh, shakti centric 
सो वी हैव महेश्वरी महाकाली महालक्ष्मी महासरस्वती बट एल्सवेयर आई वॉज जस्ट रीडिंग बिफोर वी स्टार्ट इन शुभिंदो स्पीक्स ऑफ दिस क्वार्टनरी एज ब्रह्मा विष्णु शिवा एंड कृष्णा सो बट वी मस्ट अंडरस्टैंड दैट दिस इज नॉट द सेम एज द पौराणिक विष्णु of the puranas or or the brahma of the puranas so this is the a difficulty of terminology because when shubhendra speaks of brahma in its origin original uh, supramental state is very different from the brahma that later on comes into the puranas so what happens that these gods though their origin is very high up they lean and they bring out countless emanations of themselves and for instance kali shubhendra gives this example of kali kali's origin is again there but there are countless kalis who are acting on the vital plane even on much lower down planes even worshiped by the rakshasas and asuras so similarly the god gods as we worship now uh, are very different from what shubhendra is speaking of when he speaks of plane of the gods it's also interesting that when he was asked that when mother was asked what should be Uh, those who are following the supramental path what should be their attitude towards the gods so mother says a luminous indifference <laughs> <laughs> yes. so we are not here to become subject to the gods because that was the overmind creation it was not possible to take a leap beyond so we see again in the vedas and we see subsequently that the gods are given their due place and through the zigzag of the gods humanity moves towards that high ascension then comes a there comes a point when they want to go beyond the gods you know there are rishi agastya's him is there kolokis are there between angiras and indra where they want to go beyond because they have reached the highest point and they have to now go and the gods have to release them but that was the path but now uh, their action will be more like once once man reclaims his true status today's message we have a superman then the relation will change into uh, no more worshippers and worshipped but of brothers and sisters because we all will realize that we are children of the same infinite divine mother so the whole relation will change they'll uh, work as collaborators and some of these gods have collaborated in the new creation i want to read a bit from sri arbindo's letters on himself krishna is not the supramental light The descent of Krishna would mean the descent of the overmind godhead preparing though not itself actually bringing the descent of supermind and ananda. Krishna is the ananda maya. He supports the evolution through the overmind leading it towards his ananda. And then this is very interesting. The significance of 24th November. Uh on this particular yes. passage which you have read yes. probably because it raises lot of you know mm-hmm. questions in people's mind <laughs> that is he anandamay is he on the overhead and you know shobindo gave a very interesting statement he said uh, uh, of course shri krishna is here and it is his work that is being done here yes so krishna is anandamay and this world has emerged from ananda that's why he is behind everything yes. it is the call of his flute that draws whole creation towards him and uh, in fact the the name krishna on one side it means uh, dark 
that's how it's commonly interpreted the dark but one, yes. but it also means that which draws everything towards itself from which words like akarshan and vikarshan are born so you know krishna is also the power that draws everything like a magnet but he knows very well that um, unless earth is ready and prepared there will be chaos you know man can't receive this ananda and we know what happened shobindo cautions against it when he says uh, what happened in the vaishnava tradition and why it lost the track he says prematurely they started you know all love he says all love can easily turn into all lust and shobindo cautions that that is it can be so dangerous so there has to come as an intermediary point or as an intermediary step the emergence of the truth consciousness and its establishment in man if truth is not the base then to talk about anandamay and the creation of ananda many people use the word delight very loosely whereas what they are actually experiencing at most is the joy of the psychic or sometimes the touch of the higher planes or sometimes or very often and that is really worse off is the vital consciousness and because they don't know the true ananda is so subtle in fact shobindo says for example divine love it can appear to a human being very cold and aloof and distant so what humanity has done it has painted krishna into an image which is more acceptable to us you know krishna is dancing krishna is enjoying you know whereas it's they are symbolic stories it's not that you know they were asuras coming like that but we we have picked those up uh, and change them into that's what man does you know that's how religions are born for example the ras is such a powerful symbol where there is one krishna and all the gopis and gopis those who love him they are his energies none else they are the guardians of light gopis and gopis are that shivendra says that and they all experience shri krishna with them so there is a play of multiplicity and there is a play of oneness this is a symbol but then subsequently what has done become of ras today is you know <laughs> men and women they are jumping and dancing and throwing colors at each other now this this is uh, our you know misgiving uh, but if we look at krishna's life himself you know he came to bring the anandamay but he took his station on the overmind it's how i understand is that in the beginning part when we see krishna leela you know the stories of krishna which are evidently very symbolic the first part of shri krishna's life we see that there is so much joy so much ananda so much you know um just as mother speaks of overmind creation where there is miracles after miracles so these stories of krishna in the childhood are as if all the gods are at play so many little gods in that ordinary folks but is the earth ready no even the gop and gopis are not ready so here i find another very interesting parallel the other day we were speaking about parallels between shobindo's life and shri krishna's life and what i missed out was both as political strategist and military strategist see uh, it there is a difference between um, you know when a titan fights a battle he pushes by force you know that battle of the bulge that's it more force you see today also we have all these you know this kind of weapons so 
another person will develop another kind of weapon but how do the gods fight they awaken and inspire and remind you that you are capable why you don't have to be afraid exactly the same thing shri krishna did with the gwalbar all those who were around him uh, he could have easily gone and finished kansa i mean <laughs> if he could challenge all these little um, or great asuras he could have just walked and done a miracle on kansa and <laughs> vanished but that was not the objective he realized that if he were to do it the the ordinary folks who were there around him they would not be able to uh, really awaken within themselves they will end up worshiping him build a cult around him uh, and just you know relate with krishna at that way rather than awaken so if you see all the stories of krishna he awakens them he teaches them that you don't have to be afraid of indra you you are capable of defending yourself worship this mother earth come together we will lift the govardhan making them feel really that they are capable of uh, you know fighting a god like indra and very interestingly you will see that it's the first time after the vedic uh, all the legends that indra changes his status he is a great god everybody is afraid but when he comes down down initially he fights with krishna but he realizes that then he says who is this this little boy so he comes down and down then he looks at shri krishna and he does pranam so he realizes that no now my time has come to be a subordinate deity then similarly with kansa he all these tasks he tells them no come we'll fight the asuras why you have to send uh, uh, tax has such a heavy tax or butter so actually he does the task of awakening and inspiring then he fights same thing exactly shurabindu adopts he awakens and he inspires he awakens uh, you know uh, the indians to believe that they they, they are not falling lying low they don't have to be afraid they don't have to feel that they are inferior to the britishers because the britishers have told them so so he awakened them inspired them and then when they are ready the rest is done so when he moved away he said because everything was already done the lines along which india will regain freedom then it didn't matter whether gandhi ji came on the scene or he didn't come on the scene he became an instrument anybody else could have become because the nation was fired if you see before shurbindo and after shurbindo yes you see this great difference second i see that very interesting strategy and this what i was referring to in the hindi talk uh, where slight error crept in where i was speaking of kaliyavan and shri krishna and shri krishna goes to dwarka because of kaliyavan he doesn't go to dwarka because of kaliyavan but because of jarasand but look at the strategy when kaliyavan attacks now you know he is a invader with all kinds of things he, we don't know his strength so we see shri krishna several times making strategic retreats even with jarasand he made a strategic retreat and with kaliyavan he makes a strategic retreat now in this strategic retreat there is another uh, depth to the story so what what does he do when krishna is retreating you know one of his names is ranachod it's not a very good name to hear no that he ran away from the battlefield that's what it means but look at the beauty if by running away from the battle you can gain conquest for him it's worth it and shobindo mentions it in one of his poem how many times have i retreated so that 
a victory can be established for thee. So as he retreats, Kalyavan hurls himself fully against him. And eventually he, he dies. I mean, there is a whole story and background, Muchkundarishi, etc. But I am not going into that. But the beauty of that story is that strategic retreat sometimes fulfill God's objective in a better way. And we see this with Sri Aurobindo that he was, uh, you know, people often um, accuse him. So did the British government of all kinds of things, all the killings that were taking place. Whereas Sri Aurobindo writes clearly that uh, this is not our method. We don't resort to this kind of anarchist violence. But our method is first discover who you are. Self-conquest. Swaraj. So when he used the word Swaraj, he used both these things. Self-conquest. Then Samraj. So the, here I see a parallel. The second parallel that I see is that um, both wanted, uh, and that's the second part, you know, his work being done here. Both wanted to establish uh, the, the Indian nation as a land of dharma. So when Sri Krishna comes, there are tribes and clans. And we see Arjuna actually raising this issue beautifully. He says, I belong to this clan. As a Kshatriya, I can fight with another clan. I don't mind if you put me against Jarasandha, I will fight him. How can I hit at my own clan? Look at the question, is very beautifully put. My own clan, they are my people. So, so tribes and clans. People unfortunately say that it is the Britishers who united India. No. But Sri Krishna knew very well that the time has come for the tribes and clan to be over and he put brought the uh, concept of uh, Indian nation, of course, he used the word Aryavarth. So he created a cultural and a spiritual unity, which for thousands of years is guarded by great kings. It, you know, subsequently there was all kinds of Ashwamedh Yagya and Rajasu Yagya, and he used the right ways. He he did not just pick up anybody and crown and said by force, but Yudhishthir was logically the higher. So we see similar thing with Shurabindo that. They, they both, Shubindo awakens and unites the whole country. And if you read through his writings, you will see he brings together the, the Gujaratis, the Marathis, the Bengalis, the Punjabis, uh, the Muslims. He has tackled all the problems, the, the southern people, the northern people. There is a mention in all his writings so beautifully. The people of the Far East and those who have not read, sometimes you know they... Um, I had a, a politician and I am sorry for the digression but it's probably you know important you know a politician had once written a very nasty mail not mail an article on Shurbindo and said that you know he was uh, um, against the you know Tamil people and you know he wanted to incite violence like what had happened in 65 so when this came to me I wrote directly to him an email quoting from Shurbindo how highly he has spoken of the Tamil people so much so that, you know, they are the ones who have given land for the Lord to come. And Sri has spoken so highly about the Tamil culture, the Tamil people, the Tamil bhaktas, Tamil poetry. the Tamil poetry. And sure enough, uh, there was no reply because <laughs> <laughs> this man just... And they, they found all kinds of, you know, violence. So we see Sri Krishna uniting it, bringing a cultural unity and a spiritual unity. Same with Sri bringing together and creating a unity. Uh, Sri Krishna at that point of time did not openly work for a world unity, though he has hinted that, but that's understandable because that was a too far a cry. 
But Sri Aurobindo cautions this when he speaks of Sri Krishna's life. He says, if Sri Krishna came again, this is in Bengali writings, not the exact sentence, mm-hmm. but to this effect. <clears throat> we should be careful because just as in Arjuna's time, it was clan, tribes versus the nation unit. Not The word nation is not used. It's more of, you know, dharma and Arya dharma. So tomorrow it may be the nation unit versus the world. Mm-hmm. And the divine may well put himself on the side of the world unity. So, you know, it's, it's a very significant statement that divine always corrects himself and goes one step further. So many such things we see uh, as and when, you know, they come, we will um, read about it. So. Um, the significance of 24th November... Um, you will know who wrote to Sri Aurobindo, but it's it's an example of Sri Aurobindo's humor. Right. He says, today I shall request you to stand and deliver <laughs> on a different subject. What is exactly the significance of the 24th of November? Different people have different ideas about it. Some say that the avatar of the supermental plane descended in you. Sri Aurobindo, rubbish. Whose imagination was that? Then the other, then the disciple. Others say that you were through and through over-mentalized, Sri Aurobindo. Well, it is not quite the truth, but nearer to the mark. Question. I myself understood that on that day you achieved the supermind, Sri Aurobindo. There was never any mention of that from our side. And then, if you did not achieve the supermind at that time, how is it possible for you to talk about it or know anything about it? Sri Aurobindo, well, I'm hanged. You can't know anything about a thing before you've achieved it because I have seen it and I'm in contact with it, oh, logical baby that you are. But achieving it is another business. But didn't you say that some things were getting supermentalized in parts? Sri Aurobindo, getting supermentalized is one thing, and the achieved supermental is another, and one more. You haven't unnerved a lot of people by that statement that you haven't achieved the supermind, Sri Aurobindo. Good Lord! And what do these people think I meant when I was saying persistently that I was trying to get the supermind down into the material? If I had achieved it on November 24, 1926, it would have been there already for the last nine years, isn't it? And he goes on and on. It's just wonderful. So we have this in Savitri also. Shabindo glimpsing the supermind from the highest borders. Of the own mind. And these glimpses are there in glory of the spirit where it's basically the over mind vision of things. And even in the secret knowledge, we were just reading yes, about the supramental yes. gods. <clears throat> so yes. Shubhinda is glimpsing them standing on the highest borders. But it took him many years to yeah, enter into it. And in one of his letters to his brother, and this letter I think is just before mother's coming or maybe just around that, that time. Huh? Barun? Barin, yes. Barin, yeah, this is yeah, in 1920 yeah. where he says, yeah. it has taken me nearly 15 years yeah. to enter into just the very first ranges of the supermind. 
because it's not possible because he doesn't want to enter abandoning matter and everything else he wants to enter it with this consciousness human consciousness intact and that is the difficulty and so we see the same thing in savitri that uh, shubindo goes to that point but beyond it he comes back and then carries the whole i'll just read a few lines and then we will page yes i'll just you know. <clears throat> So, uh, but first, a little bit about you know what this overmind power is, and how far it can go. Yeah. Okay. So we'll read on page eighty-nine. <clears throat> so this, of course, is characteristically. beautiful description of the supramental world as he is glimpsing from the highest a last high world was seen where all worlds meet in its summit gleam where night is not nor sleep the light began of the trinity supreme this trinity supreme is not brahma vishnu mahesh but satchitananda so it's about the trinity supreme yes. all there discovered what it seeks for here it freed the finite into boundlessness and rose into its own eternities the inconscient found its heart of consciousness the idea and feeling groping in ignorance at last clasped passionately the body of truth the music born in matters silences plucked nude out of the ineffable's fathomlessness the meaning it had held but could not voice the perfect rhythm now only sometimes dreamed an answer brought to the tone earth's hungry need rending the night that had concealed the unknown giving to her her lost forgotten soul so we see that you know uh, it is that descent which can annihilate the law of darkness of inconscience of ignorance which he is referring to but shobindo does not straight away after this he doesn't write about entry into the unknowable now he comes back and shobindo speaks of that in his letters and now there is a long journey he undertakes right from matter's base up and up and up taking the whole consciousness together and here what i want to read you know how the gods of the over mind act we are reading about shobindo's that phase when he is awakening a nation how do they awaken what is their process how do they inspire that method so this is page 280 the heavens of the ideal this is where these gods have begun to become distinct just before that they are distinct but they are 
fully conscious of the oneness. They are in a state of unity. But in the heavens of the ideal, they have begun to become distinct. So look at their action. 280, page 280. A thunder rolling mid the hills of God. Tireless, severe is their tremendous voice. Exceeding us, to exceed ourselves they call. And bid us rise incessantly above. We see this in those writings of that period. Mm-hmm. It's too powerful. You know, you feel like your heart would faint if you were to, you know, when he writes something like Law of the Way. You just wonder, <laughs> can anybody really fulfill this? <laughs> but later on, with the coming of the mother, the whole refrain changes. Very often when people, you know, there are people who somehow miss out that and they look only towards that period of Shirobindo's writings <laughs> where he speaks of an intense tapasya for man of course tapasya is needed nobody can deny that but that tapasya towards which he bids us write later on he adds to it the mother's love and changes everything and her grace and a grace so but here you know these gods Far from our eager reach, those summits live. Too lofty for our mortal strength and height. Hardly in a dire ecstasy of toil. Climbed by the spirit's naked athlete will. Austere, intolerant, they claim from us efforts too lasting for our mortal nerve. Our hearts cannot cleave to nor our flesh support. Only the eternal strength in us can dare to attempt the immense adventure of the climb and the sacrifice of all we cherish here. So he knows it. That's why we see that, you know, when Shurabindo, why he pleads to the Divine Mother. He knows that, you know, they are there and you know man can make that ascension technically, logically. But man is not ready for that ascension. He cannot. It's, it's a journey which he'll exhaust himself. He'll finish himself. So he is, again we see a divine strategic retreat. When people ask Shurabindo that you know you, you should come out and uh, be active in the outer field. And this is a take home point for all of us. He says, well, first if I come out, I doubt if anybody will understand what I am going to say. <laughs> Second, he says that I do not want to come out until the Siddhi is complete. Because if I come out, I don't want to come out like a mad rush. Yeah. So sometimes we, you know, in, in speaking of mother's work and Shurabindu's work, we get into this mad rush. And everybody picks up a flag and, you know, is doing mother's work. But unless we understand, just as he was speaking to India and saying, unless you reclaim this inner Swaraj, don't rush into Samrajya. Unless we can discover the inner contact with the Divine Mother, live in her light, have her command and the mandate, we should not rush into this kind of a blind activity in the name of Mother's will and Mother's work. 
this incidentally is also you know mother's will reminds me of a uh, very interesting correlation between shri krishna and shurvindo see shri krishna uh, what how should i act this is the problem of man so shri, shri krishna gives the solution that act first according to your swabhava and sudharma is very important in the gita and then you offer it to me and that's the process so you 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 see your own swabhava and sudharma at the end he gives a hint which will be the starting point of supramental yoga and that hint is sarva dharman parityajya mam ekam sharanam raja this dharma is not religion but all my you know self becomings and my love being and my way of being you have to abandon it at the feet of the lord and i will take you and shubhendu yoga starts from there all the people who came to you know ashram was a very good training ground for it and there were people who came with this idea this kind of a natural impulsion and uh, very much it was their sudharma also but the mother would give them some other work rishabh chand ji she gave the work of furniture and to niruddha timber go down <laughs> later on of course dispensary <laughs> and to many others like that our ved prakash ji in the dining room yes he was a you know highly educated person qualified i mean economist and somebody told him that you know do you think this is the right kind of work you are doing you could be teaching in the school you are such a erudite scholar he said that uh, mother knows that this is the work i need most for my progress so you know you can see jayanti bhai he didn't know about french and mother sent him to school to yeah. teach french and he told me i didn't know french so i wrote to the mother mother i don't know french <laughs> and she said learn it she didn't say no no oh i'm sorry i made a mistake <laughs> she said you learn it i have told you you have to do this so we see actually in the ashram context at least uh, and this is what happens that yoga starts from there you if you are sticking to your sudharma you are still uh, in the graduation level of it's same shri krishna takes you through sadharma then there comes a point of time now he says now act according to the divine will yes. now up till now it is sadharma what do i do now act according to the divine will now that becomes a very a fathomless secret what is the divine will in me that's where you know but here we have these gods who remember parichand yes and mother yes. gives him work of planting seeds yes and beautifying the courtyard of the ashram and see the description of these worlds uh, 281 happy the worlds that have not felt our fall so these are the worlds which have not yet you know entered into so where will is one with truth and good with power empowered not by earth minds indigens they keep god's natural breath of mightiness his bare spontaneous swift intensities there is his, there is his great transparent mirror self and there is sovereign autarky of bliss in which immortal natures have their part hires and co-sharers of divinity so what is the problem here mother had brought down this world this is the overmind world so why not because there is a problem here even this world that perfect unity is still missing 
and Shubindu points that out. He through the ideals kingdoms moved at will, accepted their beauty and their greatness bore, partook of the glories of their wonder fields, but passed nor stayed beneath their splendor's rule. Look at the relation yeah. of the gods of the overmind and man's soul. Past nor stayed beneath their splendor's rule. All there was an intense but partial light. It's not yet the yeah. fullness. In each a seraph winged high browed idea united all knowledge by one master thought. So you have the God of love or the God of mercy or the God of uh, justice. One idea and they would unite the world. And you know, mothers, this stage of um, yoga, much earlier, she would pray to these gods. But she had a very unique way. She made it very simple. You know, there is a beautiful prayer of the mother in French, translated in English, and someday we should read it. She simply says, God, Lord of kindness and mercy. God, Lord of... Like that. And at the end, she speaks about God, Lord of victorious love. So, you know, it's a very beautiful prayer. Running into several lines. She's invoking all these gods who are the various idea forces unleashed. And she's uniting them in a single consciousness. But, uh, Alok, speak a little bit about when Mother went to Sri Aurobindo and said, I have brought, I have the word. Yes. So that's and it. So we, you, you read something of that. Yes. So she had brought that these gods yeah. into the earth life. Yes. But the problem was that man would become like a god. Each one would become, uh, yeah. you know, godhead. But, but, but they yeah. will start fighting with each other. Sri Aurobindo said, <laughs> so, <laughs> Sri Aurobindo said uh, you will form a new religion. Yes, you will be worshipped. Each of them the will world. form an institution and a new religion. Yeah. One will say love. Another will say truth. Third will say kindness. <laughs> and then at the end, they will start fighting with each other. And Shobindo has seen it. Shobindo yeah. describes yeah. this at great length in the life divine. Yeah. That though the overbind in itself is not subject to ignorance, but it lends itself to the possibility of ignorance. Ah, You cannot say that it has rooted out all possibility. In itself, it's not subject to ignorance. So they are in line. But how it lends itself? Because each idea in its absolute mightiness is united with the divine, is an aspect of the divine. So it's not ignorant. It acts according to that law. But because it cancels out the other idea truths <laughs> it will lend itself and we see this difficulty you know as mankind is awakening to many of these overmind gods we see this constant tussle behind many of these debates which go on it's not about just a superficial thing it's it's much deeper you see recently this movie Padmavati now superficially it's a debate you know freedom of speech and all that but see freedom is a godhead Justice is also a Godhead. Truth is also a Godhead. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm not talking of the people who debate uh, very casually and without going to that. But all these Godheads have an equal right. So, the Godhead of truth will say, fine, you have the freedom, but you can't distort things. You have to be true. 
be true we are fine with your freedom so freedom says no but my, i have my freedom i can do anything with my freedom <laughs> look at the beauty then the goddess of justice will jump into the fray and say but i want justice <laughs> so you know <laughs> so and so has done an excess and so has so and committed so we see this uh, over mind world eventually would have led probably to a greater mess see in the age of mahabharata some of these godheads had actually incarnated in these human beings uh, arjuna was himself a manifestation of indra and yudhishthira of dharma and so on and so forth so this is what he says in each a seraph winged high browed idea united all knowledge by one master thought persuaded all action to one golden sense all powers subjected to a single power and made a world where it could reign alone an absolute ideals perfect home so he speaks of you know uh, these worlds and toward the end and maybe we can stop with that now in the higher realms of the over mind where the junction we are speaking of the this junction so shobindra describes it beautifully yet where the regions where these absolutes met each of them is an absolute because each of them is in connection with the divine infinite yet where the regions where these absolutes met and made a circle of bliss with married hands light stood embraced by light fire wedded fire but none in the other would his body lose to find his soul in the world's single soul that will be there in the infinity above a multiplied rapture of infinity onward he passed to a diviner sphere there joined in a common greatness light and bliss all high and beautiful and desirable powers forgetting their difference and their separate reign become a single multitudinous whole this is now another hint of the supramental state they are united in the consciousness of of the divine no more as contraries but as complementaries but down they are to start with these complementaries slowly each creates his world then slowly they go further further down and then they become even opposites above the parting of the roads of time above the silence and its thousand fold word so the word of creation and the thousand fold word in the immutable and inviolate truth forever united and inseparable the radiant children of eternity dwell on the wide spirit height where all are one